still one of my favorite times of worship. In fact, during the Lord's Supper, I really appreciated uh, Harold's thoughts that he brought us to the table. Uh, but uh, toward the end of our time there partaking in the Lord's Supper, uh, I began to listen to the little voices in the congregation, uh, some quite small, others a little bit older. And uh, I know it's hard for them to sit there and be quiet, and I'm kind of glad. You know, I, I, I say often, I don't want to ever be a part of a church where we don't hear those little voices. And uh, to know that they are a part of us and that they are experiencing with us the story of God's salvation. This is a good place to be. Today we're going to read the end of Luke's gospel account. Of course, we know this was only the first volume of his writing. He followed it up with Acts as well. But uh, we're going to read the end of Luke's gospel, and we end up with the disciples in the temple. And it's kind of interesting that the gospel of Luke opens in the temple with the story of Zechariah, the elderly priest who was serving God in the temple And an angel appears to him and tells him that he and his wife are going to receive what they had wanted all their lives, a child. And then we go full circle and come back to the end of Luke's gospel. And once again, uh, we close out there in the temple, probably not by accident. And what a trip it is in between uh, those two stories. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the word of God, as Jesus is talking to his disciples following his resurrection and as he is preparing to return to his father in heaven. Jesus, or he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So when they had le- he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple. Praising God. May God bless the reading of his word. Always good to have a little Beethoven in a day, isn't it? You know what's a blessing? It is a blessing in any situation to know where you fit in and what your role is. I was thinking back this week of uh, Al Green. And Al, uh, through his influence among the coaches in the state of Texas finagled an invitation for me several years ago to go and to help officiate the state track meet in Austin. And I was excited. I'd been officiating some of the meets around in this area. And I thought, wow, to get to go to Austin and see the best athletes in the state, that is quite a thrill. Wasn't really nervous at all. And we got down there and uh, I was standing there and they were calling out and signing, making all those assignments. I found out that I was officiating 
pole vault. I have been a runner. I know the rules of track. I know I've been officiating shot put, discus. Let me tell you everything I know about the rules of pole vault. That's it. I didn't know what I was going to do. I felt like a fish out of water. I felt so stupid. Standing around with all these coaches, I had the hat on, I had the shirt on, I had the credentials around my neck, but I had not a clue what I was going to do. Fortunately, the head official for the pole vault, once we all gathered around there, said, guys, I hate to tell you this. I know y'all want to be really involved, but a couple of you are just going to have to put the bar back on after it gets knocked off. I go, oh, well, I'll do that. (laughs) Actually, I was going, me, me, me. And I had a great time because I don't know a lot about pole vault, but I can do this, you know, and uh, got to watch the meet and put the pole back up and felt so affirmed because I knew what my role was. I knew how to do it and I fit in. Most of us in this room right now feel pretty good about being here, you know, because you fit in here. You know many faces in the crowd. Many of you are sitting here with family in the room, and many of you have dear friends that you know well, love well, have known for a long time. And you've worshiped here. You kind of know how things go in worship. You know the songs that we sing, and you know the pretty much the order that we do things in. And so you feel pretty good. You feel like you know what's coming. You know what your role is. You know how to fit in. However, there are people in this room today that are wondering where they fit in and what their role would be in this particular group of people. Well, we're here to tell you that you can fit in here. That this this church, as I said in the beginning of our worship, has, has embraced the rest of us and we have found a home here. And we want to encourage you that you can find that as well. But beyond that, what the message for today is to all of us, that there is a place for you in the kingdom of God, that there is a role for each one of us to play in God's kingdom, and that every one of us here can fit in to what God has planned, not just for us, but for the whole universe. Now, this text that we read speaks to that. We probably need to look at it again to understand exactly what is going on in order to see how these disciples, through the words of Jesus, found their place. At the end of the text, we find them in the temple. And Jesus has risen up into heaven, and he is gone from them once again. Now, if we didn't have this whole story, we might think that at this point, they would really be upset again. Do you remember how they acted when Jesus was crucified? What did they do? They went into a room, shut the door, locked it, and were scared to death. And even after Jesus was resurrected and it appeared to them. They still didn't really know what to do. Do you remember that story of where they're all standing around going, well, I don't know, what are you doing? What are we going to do? And Peter says, anybody remember? 
Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going fishing. Now you remember the story, don't you? Trying to find where to fit in and what am I supposed to be doing and what is my role here. However, here at the end of Luke, after Jesus has ascended back into heaven in an action that we don't totally understand, but I don't understand how he got here in the first place. You know, Luke opens with the story of Jesus, the Son of God, who had been in existence for eternity, entering into this world by being born of a virgin mother, Mary. I don't understand that. I don't understand really exactly how he left this world to return to heaven and to sit down at the right hand of God, but I believe that. And after all that's happened, where do we find the disciples and what are they doing? Are they confused? Are they upset? Are they concerned? No. You heard the text. They returned with great joy. They worshiped Jesus. And they gathered in the temple and blessed God. What's the difference this time? I maintain it's because they knew what they were supposed to do. They fit in. They had a role to play. Well, what was that role? Let's go back through this text where Jesus begins talking to them and quickly notice what he does to get them ready for their task so that they can approach this task with great joy and confidence. The first thing he tells them is, you know the words that I spoke to you back when we were living together and traveling together and all through my ministry, those are still my words. In other words, there is a continuity between the Jesus of history and the risen Jesus. Jesus has not changed. And if we want to know who Jesus is now, we can go back and look at those three or four years when he lived upon this earth, hear his words, and he's still the same Jesus. He said there's this continuity. I am Jesus, and this is what I said to you then, and it is still what you should know about me. And it's still what you should know about what you need to be and what you need to do. And beyond that, he says, I could trace my story all the way back to the very beginning. Because he says, all these things that we have been doing, everything we've been getting ready to do, all these things were way back there in the books of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms. That there has been a continuity of the story of God from the very beginning of time. God did not make this up on the fly. He didn't fly this world by the seat of his pants. He knew what he wanted to happen and what he was going to do to bring this about. So Jesus takes them back into the Old Testament and says, look, here I am. Look, here I am. Look, God told us back then, here's what he's going to do. And the story has played out. And I have fulfilled my role. I fit in to the story of God. And guys, you're about to fit in too. You have a role to play in the kingdom of God. And here's what you need to do. You get ready, you go back to Jerusalem, and God is going to send you the power to accomplish your task. And here is your task, to go out of this world and to preach to all nations, 
Everyone you run into to proclaim repentance and the forgiveness as a gift of God. That is who you are. That is what you're about. That is your job. So that's why we find the disciples sitting in the temple with great joy. They trusted what Jesus has said was about to happen. They knew who they were and what they were about to do. Now, what about us? How does that speak to us as well? Because just as the disciples had a role to play, and just as there was a place for them in the kingdom of God, there is also a place for us to fit in and a role that we can play as well. Well, we know that in the second volume of Luke's writing in Acts, that the promise of power, the promise of the Spirit was fulfilled for the disciples of Jesus. And that they truly did go through the whole world proclaiming to all that anyone could become a disciple of Jesus Christ and therefore a child of God. Well, guess what? That offer was open to us as well. So where do we fit in? We were some of those people that these apostles were the first to go out and to be the eyewitnesses. He said, you can go out and tell everybody, you saw these things. And you can trust them because we saw them, we experienced them. And even though we are removed by centuries from when they did that, it still comes down to us. And the great message is that now God's offer to embrace his creation is open to you and to me and to everyone, to all nations. We now receive the gift of repentance and forgiveness. Therefore, as we have embraced that and have become the people of God, you know, Peter quotes Hosea, which was one of those passages that no doubt Jesus laid out for his disciples and said, look at this. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And the other thing that we learn from this is that not only have we been embraced as one of those of all nations and we become disciples too, we live on the other side of the coming of the Spirit that the Spirit is already a fulfilled promise, and that Spirit falls upon each person that comes to faith in Jesus Christ, and it is that Spirit that then drives us in our mission and tells us who we are, where we fit in, and what we are to do. What this passage challenges me to do as I begin to walk through it and think, what is this saying to me? Is it, Tommy, just like these disciples, God has a place for you in His kingdom. He's got a place for every one of us in this room. And that place is going to be determined and empowered by the gift of his spirit. And it also has something to do with the going out and the proclaiming of repentance and forgiveness. Now, one thing this passage calls us to is to understand all that the spirit enables us to do. And wow, this Bible is filled with examples of what the Holy Spirit calls the children of God to be and to do. If you look at John, John mainly emphasizes the Spirit as a continuing presence of Jesus. 
He emphasizes the Spirit as being the one who leads us, the one who comforts us, the one who encourages us, the one who reminds us. Paul talks about the Spirit as the one who sanctifies us and gives us the ability to live the life we're called to live. Paul talks about that the Spirit is the one who gives us a particular gift in order for us to be of service to the people of God and to the people of this world. But when we come to Luke and focus in on him, the Spirit gives us the power to proclaim repentance and forgiveness. Now, not only does it give us the power to go out and talk about repentance and forgiveness, it gives us the power to live repentance and forgiveness. Where do I fit in in the kingdom of God? Because whenever I became a child of God, the Holy Spirit entered into my life, and it gives me the power to show what a life of repentance is all about. Anyone notice that we don't live in a very godly society? Well, I have noticed. Oh, two people have noticed that. Wake up, the rest of you. <laughs> we don't live, even in America, which we see as a nation dedicated to God, we see our culture drifting further and further away from a godly lifestyle. Who's going to show them what it looks like to live a life of repentance? Who's going to show others what it looks like to live a life that honors and respects God? You are. That is your role. That is your calling. In this day and time, if you want to know what am I all about and what do I need to be doing, we need to be living a life that totally seeks to honor God, not just telling other people about it, not telling other people necessarily all the time that they should do it. Here it is. I want to do it. So people can see what it looks like. Also, the Spirit enables us not only to talk about the forgiveness of God, but to show people what a life looks like that has been blessed by the mercy of God. To show people what it looks like and how it feels. To live a life of confidence, of comfort, of peace, of encouragement. Because has anyone noticed that there's a lot of pressures in this world today? Okay, three of us know that too. The rest of you, wake up. What are we going to do for this world around us? But through the power of the Spirit, to show them what it looks like to live a life blessed by the mercy of God. And one thing that it looks like is that His people show that same mercy and acceptance to those around them. That is, people are sources of comfort and peace and encouragement. There is a place for us in the kingdom of God. We have a role to play. You can fit in to the plans that God made back in the Garden of Eden and before as he decided that he was going to win this world back. And he needed the prophets, he needed Moses, he needed David, he needed all of those people to make this happen. And most of all, he needed his son to be willing to come and to live his life and to reveal who God is to the people of this world and to die for us, to be buried, to be resurrected, and to ascend back into heaven, to be with God. He needed him. 
But he needs you too. He needs you and me to live our lives through the power of the Spirit and to show people repentance and mercy and forgiveness. May we find our place in God's kingdom. Let's stand and sing. Glory.